Laura Wiffler is the co-founder of Risen Motherhood, which is a ministry that brings gospel hope to moms around the world. Her latest book is Like Me, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. Laura, her husband, and her three kids live in central Iowa. Laura, thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Oh, thank you for having me. I have six kids. My wife and I have loved raising our children, and you have a beautiful daughter named, you have three kids, but a beautiful daughter named Eden who was born with a disability. That's right, yes. And I'm, so many of us uh, know people who have kids with disabilities or have disabilities or have recently had a child who's been diagnosed with the unexpected disability. What was that like to get the diagnosis from the doctor? Yeah, well, Eden is five years old today, but when she was two months old, that's when she was diagnosed. And, you know, she received a rare chromosome diagnosis, which means Mm. she's the only child in the world that they know of that has what she has. So that meant there wasn't a spectrum, there wasn't a path, and in many ways it felt like there was no one else who could understand us or what we were going through. And actually Mm. the doctors told us, hey, you know, we can look at other similar cases and what we can see is more than likely she will never walk, she will never talk, so just prepare yourselves for that. And you can imagine being a dad, mm. that was really, really hard as parents to receive that diagnosis. And of course we, we go all the way to, okay, this is, this is the reality, this is truth. And yet we had to learn to pull back and say, okay, I just wanna look at our daughter right now. Cause every time I moved away from like the diagnosis on paper and I would look at my beautiful girl, I would just, feel like, no, there's hope and there's goodness, but it's hard. It's a tension as a parent when you go through that, that diagnosis. And um, what's been incredible, though, is that she has um, really unfolded. We've discovered her over the years, mm. it feels like, and she can now walk. Uh, she is starting to talk, and she has many words, and she's learning her letters in kindergarten right now. So it's really, really incredible to just see where the Lord brought her. Wow. That's got to just take your breath away. Yeah. When um, you got the diagnosis at two months old, did you know that there was something different prior to the two months diagnosis? Um, when I was pregnant, towards the end of the pregnancy, we knew there was a chance that she would have disabilities. Um, I was maybe 36 weeks pregnant, and they had said to us, hey, either, you know, maybe it's just some of the ways that your body's working, or maybe it's your child. We're not really sure, but Mm -hmm. let's just find out. So they actually induced me at 37 weeks, a little bit early, and she was just a little over four pounds at the time. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know, though. We actually thought, oh, we're okay. She's just little. She's just really small. And uh, yet, as you mentioned, I have two other children, and I kind of sensed as time went on, hey, there's something Something different different here. So we did kind of push for diagnosis. So uh, what what is a typical day like for you and your family, and how does... Uh, Eden's disability affect your day? Yeah. Well, in many ways, it's a lot like everyone else is. You know, our house is loud and it's fun and there's messes. Yeah. But um, specifically for Eden, more than typically developing children, she does have more doctor's appointments. She does have therapy. We go once a week and she gets OT, PT, and um, those occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy. So she gets all of those. And then um, at school also, she's enrolled in a local public school and they are one to be able to give her some therapies as well. So she's pulled out of the classroom a little bit more, but overall, I would say we have lots of appointments, but also we have lots of fun and laughter just like every other family. And you just wrote a book, and your book is called uh, Like Me, Mm -hmm. a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. 
why did you write this book and what are you, what are you hoping parents will get out of it? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Well, Like Me is is just a story about two siblings, and it follows them throughout their day. And one of the children, the younger brother, he has significant disabilities that affects him holistically. And we really follow them throughout the day, much like I was explaining our days, Mm -hmm. where they go to therapy. And they uh, also, though, in the afternoon, they sled, and they have cocoa, and they read books by the fire. And so the hope behind this book is, of course, that it's a book you can snuggle up on the couch and read with your family again and again. And it's just a cozy, fun read. Mm -hmm. But also, I really hoped to put some messages in that help to really naturally teach children about disability. So Mm. there's a mom in the story and a dad, and they're kind of dropping some wisdom throughout. And the older brother narrates and talks about what his parents have taught him about disabilities. And the biggest thing I want this book to serve as is a springboard for conversations for parents to be able to tackle a topic that I know can feel really fraught, and it can feel really hard to talk to your kids about disabilities. And so my hope is that this book will drop spiritual truths into your little child's heart and you can springboard on those conversations to have some important um, discussions in your family. Yeah. One of your biggest hopes and prayers for Eden is that as she grows up that she will have a real sense of her own identity and real solid meaningful friendships. Um, How does teaching parents and children about people being made in the image of God help with that? Yes, that is huge. I mean, the image of God is a foundational truth for us as Christians. And I think often, oftentimes it can get kind of glossed over or passed over because we don't know how to talk about it or teach about it. But really being made in the image of God means that you have inherent dignity, worth, and value no matter who you are. And mm. I think for Eden, when I look specifically at children with disabilities, I, this is so important and so valuable, not only for her to know that it's okay, that her body doesn't function like everyone else is around her, or maybe her mind thinks differently, but it's also so important for everyone else around to be able to bestow honor and dignity on her. And I think one thing that's easy for us to do with people with disabilities is we pity them. We can feel, you know, when I received the diagnosis, I, I will be honest and say that I felt pity. And I even felt self-pity for me to have to, to go through that. And one of the things that I have learned over the years is that pity isn't the right response to someone with a disability. That's mm. not what they're asking for. That's not what they need. If anything, they need compassion paired with dignity. And that is so important to offer all people where we say, I see your circumstances. I see that perhaps mm. life is a little bit harder for you. I see that life um, isn't going the way it typically does. But also I offer you dignity where I can treat you with value, with kindness, with um just the ability to recognize that you are worthy of my time. It really transforms how you see other people and how you see yourself. Mm, that is so important. And, and uh, just by way of reminder for us, back in the book of Genesis is where we get this idea of the imago Dei, which is uh, that phrase for the image of God, that God made us in his image. And that is so important, whether we're white or black, short or tall, whether we're Um, academically gifted or we're athletically gifted or relationally or musically gifted, God's made us in his image Mm -hmm. and he's got a special call and identity, purpose and destiny for us Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of our differences. Um, Laura, speak to somebody who may not have a disability but they define themselves by their abilities Mm -hmm. like we were just talking about. And then when those abilities decline or go away, their sense of worth diminishes. 
So how should somebody define their identity and their purpose and value? Yeah, this is, this is a huge question that all of us at some point will have to face. And for so long, you're right, we can kind of ride on our resume or trophies or accolades yeah. and we feel really good about everything. But over time, at some point, those things will fail us. Yeah. And so you're left with, yeah, am I valuable? What makes me inherently worthy? And that is where we go back to, to God's word. And we know that God made us in his image and he declared us worthy. He declared us good in the garden. Mm. And so we can know just like Psalms talks about that our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made and that God knows us intimately. He knows us full well. And those are things that we can look back on and say, because I'm made in the image of God, I still have value. I still have worth. I still have things to contribute to this world. And I think that's where ultimately, our, if our identity is not rooted there, very quickly, we will begin to feel like there's yep. there's no hope yep. for us. And, and yet, like you said, in each moment, God has a purpose for our life. As a parent, what do you do um, when you see children saying things about your child with disability, like, Mom, why is that little girl look like that? Or yeah. why is she sitting on a chair with wheels? <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, first off, I would say I have a lot of compassion for these parents. I have been there. Even my other children who are around disabilities a lot, they will still be like, what is that? You know, and just yeah. kind of act like they've never seen such a thing. Right. And, um, right. So I get this. But the first thing I would say as parents, we can model right behavior, you know? And so I think our tendency is to want to be like, shh, no, 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 don't, don't say that. You know, we want to shush them yeah, and hide yeah. away. But instead, we can actually lean into those questions because kiddos are really, they're trying to categorize the world. They're trying to understand the world. They're saying, hey, is this safe? Is this not safe? Is this good? Is this bad? And that's mm -hmm. our job as parents is to really raise them to know, okay, this is safe. This is good. So one of the ways that we do that as parents is when your child kind of you know, says something sort of embarrassing at the grocery store or wherever it may be. Yeah. I think we can just start by having a warm smile and saying, oh, that's a wheelchair. That helps that person get where they want to go. So mm. one of the big keys, I think, with disabilities is for young children to see that that person isn't as other as they feel. So instead to be able to say, oh, and look, that wheelchair's blue. You love the color blue. Isn't that cool? Right. So just right. drawing that connection of like their yep. sameness there, I think helps the child as well. Mm. Can you talk about what some of your other children learned hmm. growing up with a sister yeah. who has a disability? I think one of the things I have been most encouraged by with my children is seeing, um, is seeing just the way that they are so sacrificially kind to her. Mm. My older daughter uh, takes my younger daughter with disabilities into school every day. She helps figure out the lunch situation. She helps put away her backpack. She tells the teacher any little needs that she might have. And this is a second grader we're talking about. You know, she's helping my youngest daughter. And it's just incredible to watch. We have a phrase in our family that we say is, my life for yours. And what we mean mm. by that is that Christ gave his life for us. And therefore now we can lay down our life for others. And you'll hear my kids every once in a while say, my life for yours, you know, <laughs> and they're just, just go on, going off and serving and caring for someone. But it's been this great phrase that has, I think, shown a remembrance of what God did for us and that this life isn't really about us. I think mm. that's our natural inclination, right? Is life is about me, what I want to do, my needs. And they have learned, I think, at an early age, not perfectly, of course, and we, I have yet to launch them, so I want to be hesit hesitant and careful about what I say, but it seems to me that they are learning at a pretty young age about how to lay down their life for someone mm. else, which I think is a really beautiful thing and something that took me a lot longer to learn. So, I think that will turn out 
to be, in God's economy, one of the great gifts that your other children have been given. And I can say that because I know people who have siblings who have great disabilities, and the amount of compassion that that has grown in them makes them admirable people. People that I think I trust more with their character because they have grown up having to take care of other people and that sense of compassion or sympathy has really grown in them. Yes. And uh, that, that is a gift. Yeah. An unexpected gift, but an important gift. Yeah. It's grown in me compassion as well. You know, when we talked a little bit earlier about the ways the Lord is using sanctification in, in my life and, and this to sanctify me, I know that that's been something that I feel like it's opened me up to a whole new world that I never saw. And it's really drawn in me an awareness of some of the difficulties that people go through and it's really changed my perspective on how to be kind to other people and to see people. And when I see someone else with disabilities, I've really learned, okay, I want to go up to them and I want to, I want to smile and I'll even have my kids and I, there's some people that we're around that are totally non-speaking. They're in a wheelchair. Um, they're not able to communicate in traditional ways and we will go up and, and my son will just lay his hand on someone's shoulder or elbow and we'll just, just smile and be there and talk and just, realizing again that life isn't about you and your comfort. For so many of us, when we're around disabilities, we're afraid because we think it might feel awkward. We think it might feel uncomfortable. And over time, I've just learned that that's okay. That's, it's okay to feel awkward. It's okay to feel uncomfortable because like you're saying, in the kingdom economy, that is absolutely worth it. And that time spent mm. shows that person the dignity with compassion that we can pair together and say, well, I would really want someone to say hi to me even if I couldn't communicate that back. So I'm gonna go do that for that person. Laura, uh, what does the Bible say about disability? Yeah, well, I'm thankful because the Bible is not silent to this topic and that God addresses hard things in his Mm. word. And I think perhaps the most famous passage, of course, is John 9, one through three. And that's a great area for anyone to study who would like to learn more about disabilities. Uh, The biggest hope that it has brought to me is John 9, this is where the disciples are talking with Jesus and Jesus sees a man who was born blind on the road and um, the disciples notice Jesus noticing the hymn and they say, hey, Jesus, why was this man born blind? And they assume that it's because of sin, sin on the parents' part, sin on the person's part. Uh, But yet Jesus tells his disciples to stop looking at the cause, but instead to look at the purpose. And he says, this man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that is an incredibly hopeful passage Mm. for anyone who has a child with disabilities or is suffering from disabilities themselves, that God is encouraging us to say, hey, we don't need to focus on the cause because sometimes disabilities are caused by sin. Sometimes there is something that's happened in someone's life that was sinful. More than often, though, it's it's just up to the hand of God and him sovereignly being over somebody, a person's body. Yet we see that Jesus tells his disciples, hey, this is for the works of God to be displayed. And so there is a purpose in disabilities. There is a reason for disabilities. This is not some random act where God's trying to catch up with disabilities. Mm-hmm. But instead, we can know that God has a design and a purpose for people. And that's to give him glory. That is so encouraging because that's that's the goal of our lives is to glorify God. And we know that those with disabilities can do that. Yeah. Um, and, and you would think that 
one of the most comforting and helpful places that people with disabilities could go to would be the church. Yeah. However, many churches don't know how to deal yeah. with the disability community. So what would, what would a church that's very inclusive and welcoming of the dis disabled look like? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us think about being inclusive looks like having handicapped parking or tactile pavement or things like yeah, that. Yeah. But you're right, it goes so much more beyond that. And so for any church, you know, I know churches have different budgets, they have different abilities, they have different ministry sizes. And so it's hard to give like this blanket thing. But what I would really encourage any church to do is to have eyes to see those who have disabilities. And just to have one or two people appointed to say, hey, we want you to notice if anyone comes in that has a disability or a family that has a child with a dis disability and for you to go to them and say, welcome, we're so glad you're here. And how can we help you be successful? What can we do to help your family feel welcome? Mm -hmm. And that might mean you. there's a sensory free room. That might mean that there is an aid for a child who can tend to run off. That might mean um, help in making sure that someone can get into service and can worship in a way that is compatible to the way their neurodivergence is. And so I think those are, are things where each church is probably going to have individual ways that this plays out, mm -hmm. but it's a posture that says, hey, we want to serve you. Mm. We want to make sure you feel welcomed and we see you and we're not afraid. Yeah, we want to help you. We're here for you. We're on your side. Yeah. We're cheering you on. How do people do that better? Um, I, I, I think sometimes people who are not familiar with disabilities, they come up to somebody and they immediately notice that you're in a wheelchair or they notice that you're not speaking or that you look different. Yeah, right. How can people approach someone with disabilities with the right mindset. The term disability is really broad, right? You can be yeah. talking about an amputee who is, you know, cognitively a genius. And you yeah. can also be talking about someone who has um, cognitive delays and uh, really is um, struggling, needs a lot of assistance to be able right. to kind of live in this world. And so I think there's a broad range that we're talking about here. But what I would encourage anyone to do is there is an element of just treating them like another person. And we might see that, hey, this is just someone with disabilities and we, don't, we can't predict the way they're gonna engage or behave, but that doesn't change the way our posture needs to be and the way we engage as, as people. So I think it's probably, you know, in some levels saying, I'm gonna focus on the person and treat them just like yeah. anyone else. But also at some point, it may be a good chance for you to say, hey, is there anything I can do to help you um, have the right accommodation so that you can be successful here or so, so that you feel welcome here? So there can be open doors for that as well, depending on your relationship with that person. And I, and I love how some friends with disabilities actually break the ice for us. Yes. Like my friend Nick Vojcic, <laughs> who uh, you know, has a ministry called yes. Life Without Limbs. Mm -hmm. uh, so no arms and no legs. He'll say, like, here, let me give you a hand yeah. with that. Oh, yeah. You're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And I think what he's letting, wanting us to know is, I'm just, I'm just it's like you. Yeah. We're, we're the same. Mm -hmm. We're a person. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I, there's somebody um, that I have a relationship with in town, and he does have cognitive delays, and yet pretty high functioning. But I remember, you know, there was this day where he came in, and his glasses were incredibly dirty, um, and you know, even his pants were not zipped up; they were held up by a belt, and. I spoke with him for a while. We had a great conversation. But I remember getting in the car a little bit later and saying to my husband, oh, I just, I just wanted to clean his glasses for him. I just felt like, oh, I just wanted to clean them, you know, and I just wanted to tell him about his pants and all these things. And what I realized in that moment was I wanted to make myself feel more comfortable. And he was perfectly fine 
the way that he was engaging with the world and what he was doing. And, you know, I'm not sure that he could see out of those glasses, but he was doing just fine. And I think that's something that a lot of us is we kind of feel like, oh, I, we want to help and fix and, and like be kind of careful around things and make somebody feel more, um, more shaped towards our world mm -hmm. and our expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that has been really powerful for me to recognize is it's, Again, it's not about me and my comfort. And if that person is doing just fine at the end of the day, like I don't need to step into that or make make them change. Because I think often about my daughter and how she spends seven hours a day trying to make all of us feel comfortable through her behavior, through her attitudes, through her actions, right? She goes to therapies all day long to try to help make her function in a world mm -hmm. with regular developing people. And this is something that I, I think about a lot is that most of us spend very little time knowing how to engage the disabled community and knowing how to be around people with disabilities. Things like this are, are making great changes and I appreciate mm. that, but that would be like one of my big challenges for people is to say that mm. a lot of people with disabilities are working very hard to fit into our world, to fit into an able-bodied world. Right. And I would just ask that people would spend an hour, two, three, you know, or more learning how to engage with people with disabilities and understanding even things like what I went through, which was, hey, is this something that really needs change for this person? Or is that just like the way they're learning to function in the world? And it's okay. Do you think that, that the entertainment industry and, and, and including books, television shows and movies are making disabilities more apparent? And is that an opportunity that we as parents could... Uh, take advantage of to teach our children about how to engage with the disabled community. Yes, this is this is great. There's been a ton of great changes, I think, in the last 20 years or so for representation and just the importance of showing people with differently abled-bodied bodies. And um, for parents, this does present an incredible opportunity for them to just take a second and point out disabilities. I think it's funny because a lot of times we'll be watching something, uh, maybe it's, let's just take a kid's movie, for example, like How to Train Your Dragon, you know, mm -hmm. very common yeah. one. And you just watch the movie and take it in, it's great. But what the reality is, is that the main character in there, Hiccup, he is an amputee. You know, he has a prosthetic limb. And that is a great opportunity. Mm. You don't have to pause the movie or anything. But, right. you know, later in the minivan or wherever you are to say, hey, do you remember that movie we were watching? And did you see what he had on his leg? Do you have any questions about that? And another way I think that we can talk about it is that, you know, especially if you look beyond, you know, 10, 20 years ago, sometimes the descriptions and depictions of people with disabilities are not good, right? They, a lot of times they're the villains, they're um, the one to be afraid of. I think of like Quasimodo or different movies like that, uh -huh. that maybe a lot of us don't show our kids necessarily, but there are a lot of negative depictions. Even Captain Hook might be a classic that we yeah. um, engage in and he's the villain. And I think one thing we can also talk with our kids about if we do choose to show movies like that to them is to say, hey, what was honoring about the way people treated that person? What was, what was God honoring? And then we can also say, was there things in there that didn't honor God with how they treated that person? And how would you feel if you were treated mm. that way based on the way that you looked or the way yeah. that you acted? So there are lots of ways to springboard conversations through media. Laura, um, there are over 3 million children with disabilities in the United States. How would you encourage parents right now who are just feeling like they're walking through this alone, they just aren't sure of the future, how could you encourage them? Yeah, well, for anyone who feels alone in their journey with disabilities, um, again, I understand, I, I remember feeling that same way. It's, I think, really normal, yet 
my biggest encouragement to someone like that is to first of all know that God sees you and he knows and he cares for you and he cares for your child. I think something that took a bit for me to wrap my mind around was mm. remembering that God loves my daughter more than I do. And I love my daughter so much, my heart could just explode, right? And to imagine that God's love is more, that, that was a good truth for me to cling to and remember that he has a good plan. He has that purpose that we talked about. And I think another thing is I would encourage that person who feels alone to find community. You know, living in uh, this time of life, we can get on social media or we can get in other places connected through maybe our, our therapist or through doctors and find other people who maybe it's not the same exact yeah. journey, but have similar things going on. So just for them to find other people who can support them that understand what it's like to have a child with disabilities. Mm. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.